Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. About a week ago, I was watching one of my favourite shows on TV, Grand Designs. Anyone a Grand Designs fan here? Oh yeah, there's a lot. Okay, very good. This was a New Zealand episode, which I think is the second best Grand Designs behind the UK. And I, I, saw, I saw this story of this uh, rebuild of an old stable. A guy had built it once before. He had renovated, bought this old barn and renovated it into this beautiful home. And then he died at a very young age of 45 from skin cancer. And the episode wasn't about that. It was about his daughter and her husband buy, uh, buying the house from the mother, the widow, and restoring that house back even better to what it was before he died. Added into that story, just to pull at your emotional heartstrings a bit more, was this, this house was in Christchurch and had been impacted by the earthquake back in 2011 and it made the house uninhabitable. So the mum who had lived there after her, after her husband had died had to move out of the house before the daughter, obviously quite wealthy, <laughs> purchased this house, bought her mum out and rebuilt this house and it was one of the most spectacular rebuilds of a house I've seen on the show before. And as, as is the usual closing scene, and with an episode like this, it was extra special. All of the family gathered together in the old family home and just in, surrounded by absolute architectural beauty and celebrated the finish of this house. But you could sense, you could just sense, and I think you'll know what I'm talking about, even though they're surrounded by beauty, they're surrounded by this unbelievable house, they're surrounded by their, their sisters and their, and their mom and all that sort of thing. There's people that they love, they're all smiling, they're all happy, they seem happy. You could just sense an emptiness. You could sense a pain of loss. You could sense the pain of a lack of presence because their dad wasn't there. Their dad wasn't there. They had all this good stuff. They surrounded by all this good stuff. But without dad, they weren't quite fulfilled. And when I watched this episode, I thought about the world in which we live today. The Western world, full of good things. Full of good things like the gifts that we were given out and what they represent. Full of the best of life. Full of everything that, that claims to make us happy. And as I look around the world and as I look around our country and even around our suburbs, I see lives full of good stuff. And yet, you can perceive, if, if you think about it a bit more and look a bit harder, you can see an emptiness. You can see that these good things that promise so much actually underdeliver on expectations. And from where I sit and from where I've come to believe, it's because the Father, the Heavenly Father, is not present in their lives. And when I think of our world, I think this is where we've arrived as a society. This is where we've arrived at a culture. We want the good things, but we don't want anything to do with religion. We don't want anything to do with Christianity. We don't want anything to do with Jesus. I don't, I don't know if you've noticed, but as you drive around the Redlands, there's these flags up on, on uh, light poles. And they're Christmas flags, which is great. Decorations, the, the, the council has invested some money into making our city, city streets look a bit nicer through the Christmas period, which is great. I don't know if you've noticed, though, two of those flags have some particular words on them. One says, peace on earth. The other says, joy to the world. I think one of them, I, can't remember, I think it's the peace on earth one, even has a picture of a dove with an olive branch in its mouth. 
But I guarantee you, around that table that came with that idea, no one would have even mentioned, because they know it would have happened, no one even mentioned bringing up, maybe we should put the name of Jesus on these signs. No way. No way. We don't want anything to do with religion. We don't want anything to do with the church. We don't want anything to do with Christianity. We don't want anything to do with Jesus, but we want all the good stuff of life. We want all the good stuff to come to us. And at Christmas time, I think you will see it as well. Christmas time especially is a time when our society wants to squeeze Jesus out. And we can fall for this. Even as people who know and love Jesus, I know when I think about the last few weeks in the midst of shopping for Christmas presents, in the midst of cleaning house, in the midst of wrapping presents and getting food ready and all that sort of stuff, it's really easy for Jesus to be squeezed out of my mind and out of my heart and have to dig through metaphorically the tree to find the nativity scene to put it where it belongs. Again, imagine having a birthday, inviting all your friends over and then getting completely ignored and then giving each other gifts and not even acknowledging you there. Uh, these are the times we live in. We, we want, we chase after, and we expect the good life without wanting the giver of life. To put it another way, we want the good things of the kingdom of God without the king. The abundant life without any relationship with the one who promises it. It's interesting that when Jesus was born, which we remember today, the world had no room for him. They, they didn't see the king when he came. There was no room for Jesus at his birth. I think for those of us who have done, I realised when I woke up this morning, I've had 44 Christmases. And, so, and a lot of those have been uh, spent like this, like we are today. And this is a verse that gets read often. So you know this, but there was no room for Jesus when he was born. Mary gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Right at his birth, Jesus is squeezed out. Jesus is pushed to the side and said, we have no room for you. There was no room for Jesus during his life as well. Even as a, as a toddler, after he had been born, Herod tried to kill him. The king at the time tried to kill him because he felt threatened by this person who had apparently been born to be king. So he, he sent out an order for every boy under two to be killed, trying to snuff him out, trying to squeeze him out, trying to push him away through killing him. Men who loved their power and their position constantly plotted and then eventually succeeded in killing Jesus, pushing him out. More than that, he, there was no room for him in the city when he died. He was taken out of the city of Jerusalem, hung on a cross outside of the city, and then was buried in a borrowed tomb. There was no room for him in a tomb of his own, constantly being squeezed out and pushed out. At his death, his friends disowned him. His own friends disowned him. Then, like now, we want the life that we're given and we want to be the author of that life that we're given, we just don't want to make room for the one who gave it. John chapter one, verses nine to 11, there is this, that those first 18 verses of John chapter one are like a, a big introduction to the gospel, a big introduction to the core of what we're on about as Christians, as followers of Jesus, what we believe about who Jesus was, is, was and is and will continue to be forever. And in that, in verses nine to 11 of John chapter one, 
He writes, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's a big statement. The true light that gives light to everyone in the world. So for us who are wandering around going, how do we live this life? How do we do what we're meant to do? I think I've worked out some ideas, but really there is this emptiness inside of me. You could say there is this darkness inside of me. Well, here comes the true light that gives light. Yeah, I'd be into that. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. The world was made, everything that we see, everything that exists around us was made through Jesus. Jesus made it all. You'd think it makes logical sense that that which is made through him would recognise him when he came. But we did not. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. We made no room for him. We squeezed him out. We said we, we can manage our lives by ourselves. We want the life you've given us. We want the good things that are available to us. We don't want you. We've got no room for you. And there's one of the most defining moments in Scripture apart from what we remember on Christmas Day. One of the most defining moments of Scripture is about this very concept. And it's in Exodus 33. I reckon this is the most defining moment for a bloke called Moses. Moses was a man appointed by God to lead his people in a really crucial historical moment. Many amazing things happened during Moses' career. You can read about it in Exodus. Some incredible things took place, stuff you won't believe as you read it. But I reckon this is the most important moment for Moses. Right, what I'm about to tell you about is the most important moment in his leadership career. This is a moment where God is fed up with his people. He's fed up with them because of the very thing I'm talking about. They wanted all the blessing, but they didn't want any relationship with the blesser. They wanted all the good stuff. They'd come out of Egypt, they'd come out of slavery, and they're pining for the stuff they had when they're in slavery because now they're wandering in the desert. And they want good stuff back in their life. They're not interested in a relationship with the blesser, they just want the blessing. In, God, in his frustration, God says to Moses, Here, here's, here's the deal, Moses. Like, I, I've just had enough. But, but here's what I'm going to do. I've promised you that I'm going to send you to, to a, a, a piece of land that is flowing with milk and honey. That's not a phrase we use these days, but it's good. milk and honey are good things. I'm going I'm to make sure that when you get there, every battle you fight with the people who are there already, you will win. I'm gonna make sure that after you win and after you settle, all the good things are gonna happen. There's gonna be plenty of milk. There's gonna be plenty of honey. There's gonna be plenty of prosperity. There's gonna be plenty of victories. You are gonna be established in the land. I promised and I will deliver. But I've gotta tell you, I am fed up. I will do all this for you, but I will not go with you. Think about this. What's God saying? I'm gonna give you all the good stuff but I myself will be absent. Does that not describe the life that we want to live? Give me all the good stuff and then let me make my own decisions. I'll, I'll call the shots, thank you Jesus. But give me all the good stuff. This is a great deal that God is offering Moses. Don't you think? All the stuff without the relationship. All the promise, no presence. I don't mean presence. I mean E-N-C-E, no presence of God. How will Moses reply? I wonder how you would reply. I, I, I get a bit worried that I'd go, oh, okay, that sounds good. This is a huge 
moment. And I reckon this is, this is in many ways the moment that the Western world is living in. Moses says this, and this is the most defining moment of his leadership. I reckon it could have gone any other way if he did not reply like this. This is part of what he says back to God. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Moses, in a moment of clarity, in a moment of wisdom, in a moment of of understanding what life is and, and understanding who God is and who he is and who his people are, he said, no, no deal. If you're not with us, don't send us. We don't just want the blessing, we want the blesser. We want your presence, I want your presence, I need your presence. If you're not coming with us, if you're staying here, so am I and so are we. We are going wherever you want will be. I think for Moses, he understood that the blessing wasn't the stuff. The blessing was the presence of God. When Jesus came into the world, Emmanuel, the very presence of God with us. And it was because the very presence of God was with him. And it wasn't just with him, the presence of God was him. It was Jesus, God in the flesh, very present. It was Jesus. God was with us because Jesus was with us. Jesus is God. Do you get it? The world did not recognise him. The world did not acknowledge him. They did not have room for him and they did not make room for him. We read about that from John chapter one, but there's the next bit of that chapter. There's the verses that come after verse 11 that say this, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. The presence of God was in Jesus and through him we have available to us this relationship with God where we can be in his presence all the time because of Jesus, because of what Jesus has done. Can I remind you, if you have received Jesus, make room for him this Christmas. If you can relate to what I said before, it was shown in this illustration of trying to fight through the presence to find the nativity. Right now in this moment, pray, Jesus, you are the center. I'm sorry that I've pushed you to the sides. I'm sorry that I've squeezed you out. Be the center of my heart. Be the center of my family. Be the center of my home. Your presence is what I want, not just the blessing. If you haven't received Jesus, if you haven't yet received him, if you've lived a life where you've squeezed him out, maybe there's been opportunities where you've heard about him, but you've been squeezing him out, not making any room for him, saying, no, I'd rather call my own shots. I wanna live the life that you've given me, but I wanna live it my way. I don't wanna do it. I don't need your presence. I can do this on my own. You may have good things. You may have things that make you happy, But without Jesus, you'll never have joy if you don't clear room for him. You might get a bit of rest this Christmas. You might enjoy some holidays and enjoy a bit of a break. But I wanna say you won't get peace if you don't make room for Jesus. You might be surrounded through Christmas and through holidays. You might be surrounded by people you love and who love you. But I wanna tell you, 
that if you want unfailing, unconditional, everlasting love, you won't get it if you don't make room for Jesus. And maybe today is the day where you become one of those who does receive him and says, I'm making room in my heart. I'm making room in my mind. I'm making room wherever it is that you make room to say, Jesus, come and fill that space. I receive you today. I know where my life is going without you and I want that eternal joy, that eternal peace, that eternal love that only you can give. This world is full of good stuff and we all chase after it. But it can't deliver what our hearts truly crave. Only Jesus can do that. Let me pray. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.